1: Last night in Washington, D.C., a Democratic member of Congress was carjacked by three men. Henry Cuellar carjacked at gunpoint in Washington. The question I have for you, my friends, is do you feel any sympathy for these individuals who either are soft on crime, push soft on crime policies, advocate for a culture that lets criminals out of jail, and at the same time advocates that J6ers, nonviolent ones, get harsh and serious sentences. This is a tweet put up by Mike Cernovich saying no sympathy. In fact, quite the opposite. And I have to wonder, this was only a few blocks away from Congress. A Democratic member of Congress was carjacked, car stolen. This is not the only story I have for you because I think the question I have is best described by Jack Posobiec, best articulated is what is happening? We got news the other day that this far leftist in Philadelphia who was mocking Mike Cernovich, mocking Scott Adams, when both of them said that there is a chance you could die based on the political climate, this individual mocked them and only a day or so later was brutally murdered in his own home. We now have another story. A man in Philadelphia, I believe it was Philly, was standing with his girlfriend. He was a far left advocate, and some guy randomly seemingly for no reason walked up to him stabbed him twice in the chest killing him my friends the first thing I want to say to all of you is please 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 give yourself a 10 minute first aid YouTube session like just just watch any YouTube video on basic uh, survival basic first aid etc honestly you should be you should be doing more than that. Because it freaks me out, and it's, and, it's, and it's horrifying. Likely what happened with this guy in Philly, and he's a far leftist. I'm sure he's got a bunch of weird policies for, uh, uh, you know, supporting Democrats, which lead to this stuff. People are calling him Bolshevik. I, I don't want anybody dying. I don't want this, uh, this, this violence to, to increase. And that's the whole point of videos that I do. It's the whole point of everything that I'm talking about when it comes to crime. Yet we want to balance freedoms, but let's be real: the policies that are that are taking taking over in these big cities are leading to massive surges in crime. This idea, you know, this guy who lost his life in Philly, has this idea that you can bring in these drug treatment centers, open. Uh, what, what are they? He, he wants to do a safe injection sites. I'm sorry, dude. I understand. You want to help these people who are addicted? I certainly do as well. Safe injection sites. In my understanding, I could be wrong about this, but from what I've seen, at least aware where I am, it leads to more crime, more distress. We need to get these people off the drugs, not give them places to do them. And I'm sure that's your argument. I don't think it's working. I don't want this guy to lose his life. But I got to say, when you when you look at all of this stuff, those of us who are paying attention to what's going on have gotten out of these places or understand at the very least what we must do to protect ourselves. But I want to I state, I don't know exactly how this dude died. But if it turns out to be what's called a sucking chest wound, it is always brutal when you hear these stories because you didn't have to. I'm not a doctor. I've only taken a few first aid emergency uh, uh, courses and hostile environment courses. We've done ba- I've done some, some very basic training, not to the extent of like the military, but I've done very, very rudimentary first aid kit, tourniquet, sucking chest wound, all of these things. And it's crazy because what they say is, this dude got stabbed twice in the chest. Likely what happened is it created a cavity in his chest so that when he, when he tried to inhale, his lungs would not actually pull air in. Again, not a doctor. All I know is this. If you get stabbed in the chest, what you're supposed to do is got to seal. you got you to seal that so air can't get in. So when you inhale, air actually enters your lungs and leaves your lungs because if you have a wound, it creates a cavity and then no air is actually coming in and that's why you die so quickly. I've heard too many stories about this in my life. No, seriously, where it's like a dude gets stabbed in the chest or or shot in the chest and they're like, oh no, he died. And it's like, man, there are things you can do other than you just like literally holding it and sealing it. You take a piece of plastic, anything, and then you seal it on three sides and that creates a vent which can actually release the pressure. Again, not a doctor. All I'm telling you is I once went to, I, I went to like three different courses which had training on this and it's like over a short period. Let's read the news and break down what is going on, man. Why are these people dying? And and I want to tell you, too, the other story about that CEO in Baltimore. We got new information. Young woman woke in Baltimore. She got murdered on, on, on her roof. Guess what the story is? This convicted sex offender was stalking her, following her home. She goes into her lobby hears him knock or something, turns around, door's closed. She's right there, her elevator. She could get to safety right now. But no, she doesn't. She turns around and sees a large, strange man waving through the window, and she walks over and opens the door for him. He gets in the elevator with her, brings her to the roof, and brutally murders her. This is why we have security, dude. Let me read the news for you. We'll get into all this stuff. ABC News reports Democratic Texas Rep. Henry is it pronounced "Quayar"? I know the two L's, yes. And. Kenny Quayar was carjacked at gunpoint Monday night near his residence in the Navy Yard area of Washington, D.C., just blocks from the Capitol. An alert sent to congressional members said three to four men held guns to his head and took his car and phone. Quayar's chief of staff, Jacob Hockberg, confirmed the carjacking news in a statement to ABC News late Monday night. As Congressman Quayar, Quayar was parking his car this evening. Three armed assailants approached the congressman and stole his vehicle. Luckily, he was not harmed and is working with local law enforcement. Thank you to Metro PD and Capitol Police for their swift action and for recovering the congressman's vehicle, his statement read. here's a picture of the congressman. The Metropolitan Police Department of D.C. did not confirm their identity, saying there was a report of an armed carjacking around 9.32 p.m. in the intersection of New Jersey and K Street. Yo, that's K Street, man. Yo, K Street is the street. That's what they call it. They call it K Street. Lobbyists, big shots, billionaires, millionaires, meeting, wheeling and dealing. Yo, this is this is crazy stuff. But hey, man, if you want to advocate for these policies, well, you reap what you sow, I guess. You reap what you sow. Now, take take a look at this tweet from Mike Lee. Based Mike Lee, U.S. Senator for Utah. Says, my friend Rep. Quay- uh, uh, Quayar became the victim of a crime tonight in what's considered a nice part of D.C. D.C. is dangerous. Something's gone terribly wrong here for far too long. Congress has the sole power to make D.C.'s laws and must intervene. Hear, hear, good sir. I completely agree. I just want to point out that uh, crime t- takes place in nice neighborhoods. That's basically where they take place. Uh, this is, it's a weird thing I think people don't realize You know, if if, there's crime in poor neighborhoods for sure, but it's not like this. If somebody wants to steal from you, are they going to go to a poor neighborhood and steal from the poor person who lives next to them? Sometimes they do. It happens, but they don't get a whole lot. A lot of carjackings and muggings are people from poor neighborhoods. They intentionally go to wealthier areas where people are relaxed and think everything's fine. And this is what happens. Now, I got to admit Going within a few blocks of Congress, that takes balls right there. Well, Mike Cernovich says your friend and other radical Dems and many Republicans wanted J6 grandmas tossed in gulags. So that's what D.C. A.U.S.A.s are doing instead of prosecuting real crime. These are choices Democrats made about enforcement priorities. It was a choice. No sympathy. The opposite. You know, man, I get it. I don't want anybody getting carjacked. But hey, What am I going to say? These were choices made by Democrats. Who should we be going after? Should we go after street crime? Nah, we should let these poor oppressed people out of jail and lock up women who are running cafes during lockdown. What's that? You're a barber in Michigan. We're going to lock you up. What's that? You're a salon owner in Texas. They locked up a salon owner in Texas. And then after a big backlash, released her. Those are the priorities. In Texas, I'm not talking about a Democrat state. But this is the priorities, these are the priorities of many Democrats. Oh yeah, sure. Nancy Pelosi can come on and say, we have to lock down. And then what does she do? She doesn't put her mask on and she goes and gets her haircut when no one else can. You want you wanted this world, you get to live in it. This is a big story that we saw just the other day. That uh, man, I, I I I am sad to hear that this happened. But guys, I've been I've been telling you, okay? if Democrats abort their kids, sterilize their kids, if Democrats advocate for soft on crime policies that result in death, I don't see anything other than us winning the culture war. And you can talk all about indoctrination. You can talk all about prosecuting Trump. And I'm like, none of that matters. The the impact on a culture, on a society, on a civilization through reproduction is paramount. Nothing else matters. You can argue you know, you, you, you people can argue that, yeah, but they're indoctrinating our kids. My friends, the indoctrination of your kids is stamp collecting compared to having children. OK, you are you are basically saying having kids is the Nobel Prize winning nuclear physics of civilization and teaching kids bad things in schools is stamp collecting. Have you seen the price of gold lately? at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Now I know people often like to bring up these anecdotes. They say, yeah, but you look at you look at like Elon Musk His his kids woke and you look at uh, uh, Kellyanne Conway is what we talked about last night. And I'm like, anecdotes, anecdotes. We can see in the data. Now, don't get me wrong. Social media itself is a powerful influence. But when parents start waking up and advocating for changes that causes Democrats to freak out, Democrats are not having kids. They're sterilizing their kids. They're advocating for policies that result in crime in their areas. And they are battling a culture war on education that I believe they're losing. So, yes, I think it's fair to say that culture and social uh, socialization indoctrination matter. But we are in a culture war over these things. So if you have, let's put it this way, two sides in a war. One side is constantly resupplying its front lines and weapons with attrition. It's, it's, it's degrading, but they are they're resupplying to the best of their abilities. The other side is not resupplying. Sure, you're in a conflict. Sure, you can argue, but they've got weapons and, and, and they're attacking us. But the attrition is going to wipe them out. I, look. I'm talking about the ideology, not the human beings, okay? Because many of these people are going to change their tunes and they're going to start supporting uh, policies that actually enforce this stuff because their friends are being killed. And that's when the right dominates in the culture war because more and more people are going to start voting for Donald Trump. They're going to vote for someone who says, I'm going to bring in the police. We're going to get this under control. And what do you think these people are going to say? These far left hippy-dippy people, you know what they're going to do? They're going to pull a Liz Lemon like in 30 Rock. In, in one of the first, it's like the first season in 30 Rock, Tina Fey, Saturday Night Live, city urban liberal lady. Her character says, I tell everyone I voted for Obama, but I actually voted for McCain. How many people do you know that are probably going to do that? These people who fear social ostracization more than being murdered in their own home. What they will do is they will lie and secretly vote for Donald Trump. That's what they call the secret Trump voter. Journalist shot seven times in Philadelphia home. Two days before his murder, Josh Kruger mocked Dilbert creator Scott Adams' warning of rising crime. This is brutal. Look at this. Andy No highlights this guy's tweets. He says leftist journalist and activist Josh Kruger has been tragically shot dead at his Philadelphia home. Kruger has long downplayed gun violence in his city and publicly chastised others others who spoke about it. Tweet after tweet after tweet. I mean, the craziest thing. Scott Adams says if Biden is elected, there's a good chance you will be dead within the year. He then said Republicans will be hunted. I think Scott took a more political approach to what he meant by you'll be dead within a year. But I also think a large component of what he was talking about was the escalation of crime. We were coming off of the the BLM riots where they were going around smashing things and 30 plus people died. Look at this. About two weeks ago, Josh Kruger wrote on Facebook that someone came to his house searching for their boyfriend, a man I've never met once in my entire life. The person called themselves Lady Diablo, the she-devil of the streets, and threatened him, he wrote. So what do you think happened? He said, get out of my house, and they said, we're going to come back for you. Or the person looking for their boyfriend was scoping out his house. This is what they do, man. It's, it's, you you might come outside on your house one day and you'll notice someone marked your house in some weird way. There's a number written on it. And you're like, what is this? And so you, uh, uh, wipe it off or you ignore it. They put marks on houses when they're, when they're, they follow you home. They see if you live alone by yourself. They, 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 they look up the kind of person you are, dude. I'm telling you, I bet they look this guy up. Let me just say this. There is a possibility they, this guy's high profile enough they look up his posts and they're like he's soft on crime he's anti-gun he's a leftist or whatever he might have a gun I'm not sure but if you if, if you're gonna target someone this is who you're gonna target this is what this is who these people are going after the people who publicly announce they're unarmed and they don't believe in weapons James O'Keefe had this uh, uh it was a while ago he did this they went door to door claiming to be anti-gun activists or like gun safety advocates and then he knocks on the door and he's like, we, we want common sense gun control. Do you agree? And they're like, yes, absolutely. And he goes, do you own a gun? They're like, no, we don't. He's like, would you be willing to put this sign in your heart saying proud gun-free home so we can let people know that we do not need guns? And they're like, what? No. That's like inviting people to come in. It's like, wait a minute. He's like, wait, are, are, are you saying you actually need the guns? And they're like, well, I just don't want people. That's right. You see, a lot of people get by on the fact that there is a fear they may have a gun. But as they remove that capability from you, this is what happens. Let us advance in the news. Daily, daily news. Advocate stabbed to death by unhinged stranger while waiting for Brooklyn bus with girlfriend. I don't know that this guy is some far left anti-vax lunatic. And I am not saying as such. The other dude, Kruger, was mocking people who were saying like crime is getting bad. That's a, ser- a scary story, man. Karma. Karma's real, dude. I don't know. Believe whatever you want to believe. But that's brutal. I don't I don't want that guy to get hurt, right? He's just saying dumb things on the internet. This guy I don't know much about. I know he's had some some stuff where he's criticized Scott Adams. He is a leftist. He's advocated for, for safe injection sites and things like that. And I can understand his point of view. But I don't know much about him. So I'm not gonna accuse him of being a nasty antifa guy, but he is a leftist who advocates for policies that result in unhinged strangers being in his neighborhood. I hate to say it, man. I appreciate the people who are thinking like. We got people who are addicted and we can reduce, we can re- reduce transmission of disease and we can help get them off drugs if we give them a safe place to do these drugs. It's better than crack houses and drug dens and things like that. But all that happens is you are creating more opportunity. Let me tell you the story that many of you probably heard about India. So they got a bunch of snakes, right? And there are snakes all over and like, these snakes are a problem. So the government goes, everyone, listen up. We figured out a really great way to deal with the snakes. Decentralization. You bring us a snake head and we will pay you, you know, five bucks. Sounds like a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Create opportunity for people to give incentive to get rid of these snakes. What do they do? They started breeding the snakes. Because all they said was a snake was worth five bucks. So the people were like, catch them, breed them, and then we'll keep bringing them in. Free money. Made the problem substantially worse. My friend, you advocate for spaces where people are doing drugs and are not well. You are not advocating for an institution where people are not free to leave. Maybe that's what you need. Safe injection site, but you can't leave. We bring you in and we lock the door. And then you will be institutionalized until we can get you clean. I'm not saying that's exactly what we should do. I'm saying if you're going to advocate for it, that's what has got to be. Otherwise, you create opportunity. More people come. More people say it's easier to do now. You make it easier for them then one of these crazy dudes who is now in your area because you created a safe place for them to do drugs and they're already unstable walks up to you for no reason and stabs you twice in the chest it's tragedy man it's horrifying well take a look at some of these tweets jack Posobic asks what is happening this guy tweeted hey scott adams you give me one one thousandth of your personal wealth to N-O-O-D-N-Y campaign, and I'll show you some transformative social change. This is not a tweet of a dude insulting Scott Adams, saying something, you know, this is a guy who's saying like, hey, you want to see change? Like, hook me up and I'll bring about change. That's what I'm saying. I don't see this guy as the same as the first dude. Budding policy influencer Ryan Carson was stabbed multiple times in the chest by an unhinged man while waiting for the bus with his girlfriend. NY Perg campaign director, one of the rising stars in the org, Boisterous laugh, everybody loved him. All right. You know, I have experience with the public interest research groups, Perg. I think they're uh shady and untrustworthy. That's my opinion, having worked for some of their affiliates. I think that uh my personal opinion, having worked in the office, was that what I experienced was a bunch of people who didn't actually care about any of these progressive causes and it was a sales office. That's what it was. It was fundraising. I don't know what he did. Campaign director. What that says to me is that if you're a perg campaign director, it likely means that he ran an office. Look at this. You can see behind him. Is that, uh, that looks like it might be New York, uh, uh, huh? NY, NY, uh, uh, environment, uh, NY or something. I would imagine this guy was a fundraiser who called people and, and pitched them on donating cash. That's what I did. And I found most of the nonprofits. I just, that's all they were interested in. But hey, look, man, it doesn't matter. This guy should not have lost his life. And this is what we are actually fighting against. We are fighting against unhinged criminals doing these things. So it's a tragedy when you hear a victim was taken by a crazed man. And you know what? A lot of people are going to say. We we are the light fighting the, through the darkness to clean up the streets and give people even our enemies a better life. But he represents the darkness. This mask masquerading as good but destroying everything around them. I am not saying that is what is truly happening. Everybody thinks they're right. But I'm saying there are many people who are going to look at this and say he was an agent of the darkness. He was an agent of the negative, of the chaos and the destruction. And he reaped what he has sown. Perhaps. But I still don't think this man should have lost his life. And if, my, if the policies I want to get implemented get implemented and the policies you want, we would save this man's life. That's the point. So that he doesn't have to suffer. That's the crazy thing, right? This For many people on the right who are religious, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, but I see that uh, uh, it's really funny that Christ-like uh, mission, that somebody on the right have. yes, the left are evil, but we're trying to save them. And I'm like, man, <laughs> respect, tremendous. Because my attitude's always been much more like, hey, look, man, if they're sterilizing their kids and aborting their kids, I mean, and you're fighting against them and, you're, and, and they're winning these policies in their states, what do you do? And uh, I, I've, I've often said, it's, it's fascinating to me how conservatives are desperately trying to save the lives of those who are making the world worse. And I'm like, that is a very Christ-like thing to do, isn't it? And, and I'm not saying people who, aren't, who are not Christian, who are atheists, are incapable of such sympathy or empathy. I'm just making that point that it's funny. The right is, t- is trying so desperately to save the people who are basically burning these things down. Wilford Riley said, I'm not going to laugh or gloat about this, but literally about six prominent leftists have been robbed. On uh, uh, robbed on up this week due basically to urban crime policies they supported. Yeah, and this was a response to Henry uh, Cuellar. Jack Basovic says Josh Kruger had like 1,000 tweets defending no bail when it came to Philly criminals, but laughed about J6ers getting detained for years with no trial. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? This one, I I think I I might have to just do a follow-up full segment on this one because there's so much to this story. The woman, the female tech CEO, she got murdered. I'm going to do a bigger, I'm going to do a dedicated segment on this story and I'll save it for later in the day. But this murderer, this convicted sex offender followed her to her house. She opened the door letting him in. You know why I think she did it? I think she was like, I'm not racist. This strange man approaches the glass, she has no idea who he is and he waves and she opens the door. What's the point of having a lock on your door if you're gonna let in a stranger? I never do that. I'll stand at my buddy's place and they have a gate. So the apartment is um, when you walk into the complex, it's uh, an open, uh, what do you call it? Like this, it's, 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 the building is shaped like a, a large opening in the middle. There's no front door, it's a gate and then each apartment has a front door in this gated, gated off area. And I walked to it and there's a person like, hey, can you let me in? I I forgot my keys. I'm like, sorry, man. No, I can't. Like, was like, oh, dude, I live here, bro. I'm like, that sucks. I was like, dude, are you kidding? If you really lived here, you'd be pissed off if someone you didn't know started opening the door and letting strangers in. And apparently the dude did live there. And he was like, no, I get it, man. It's cool. He wasn't pissed off about it. I don't care if he is. I'm like, bro, first of all, it's my friend's place. I'm not about to let strangers in. That's a crazy idea. You know, when I worked for O'Hare Airport, they had to say 500 times a day. Do not let people in behind you. If you open the door and someone's waiting behind you, you close it and you wave and then they have to swipe in. Never let someone walk in behind you. And part of it was because when you swipe your ID, they track who's going through what doors and stuff like that. You know, this lady was like, here's a guy I don't know. Better let him in. And I think it was because she didn't want to be racist. I think this is the mentality these people have. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care if you're an 80-year-old little old Asian lady. You're knocking on a dog bag lady. I ain't letting you in. Sorry. But so many people do like, oh, you know, no. Nah. Mike Cernovich is an art. I, I want to come back to that one and, and and do a bigger read on it. But I really wanted to get to this. uh, uh The return of the Bolsheviks. The other side of fear from uh, Mike Cernovich. I want to read you some of this. Because Mike, I'm sorry, dude. I, I I said his tweets were a bit aggressive. and And what I mean by that is, You want to approach somebody who's not aware of what's going on. You come out and you say something pretty intense, and they're going to be like, you're crazy. But I don't think Mike's wrong. He says, we learned communism wrong. History, class, and popular discourse focused on the socialism aspect of the Soviet Union, leading us all to a false discourse of choosing capitalism or communism, as if communism were merely an economic system instead of a demonically inspired chaos. Yeah. He says, midway through the article, I stopped to rewrite it to make it less conceptual and more personal. Recently, I tweeted, when we lose in 2024, I'll be hunted down and murdered by the regime. I've already had this talk with my family. All these goober conservatives think they'll be okay. They won't. Look up the Bolshevik revolution. Y'all going to be imprisoned and you have, and you people have no clue. He said, this was widely mocked by many conservatives and thousands upon thousands of uh, ish libs with insults ranging from you are not that important to you're paranoid and belong in an institution. One such person making the latter remark was executed in his own home. That's right. Kruger insulted Mike Cernovich, saying, no, but I think involuntary psychiatric detention is a possibility, but for purely normal, everyday reasons, not political. Sure, he wants Cernovich locked up, and then, what was it, a couple days later, he was killed. What Josh Kruger didn't understand, much like the theatergoers referenced in the opening quote, is that we are not spectators of the neo-Bolsheviks, but instead we will be victims and involuntary participants. I did not read the Gulag Archipelago, Archipelago, I always pronounce it wrong, but I have read one passage that was uh, prominently shared where he talks about, uh, Solzhenitsyn talks about how there was a military officer who was confronted by a man with a knife to his neck and he fought and stabbed the guy attacking him. He was arrested and criminally charged. And in the prosecution, he says, the man was threatening, he had, he had a knife to, threaten, uh, to my neck to kill me. What should I have done? And the prosecutor said, flee. Yep. That's New Jersey. I was told by the police that if in my if I'm in my home in New Jersey and someone breaks in with a gun, I have an obligation to jump out the window before I'm allowed to defend myself. That's the world they're building. And that's the world Josh Kruger was building. Look at this. He says, Rep. Corey Bush got shot at in St. Louis. Rep. Uh, Mary Gay Scanlon got carjacked. Rep. Angie Craig attacked in her home. Rand Paul Stafford stabbed. And guess what? I tweeted this. I bet Mike Cernovich is, is, is lighting up a cigar. Maybe not right now, but he's getting ready to put his feet up, have a nice cup and a nice scotch and a cigar. As he reads that Cuellar that night was carjacked, not to gloat, but to just to to, to be. It's almost like, man, was I right or was I right? Rand Paul himself supported criminal justice reform, even partnering with neo-Bolshevik Cory Booker. Members of Congress are victims of their soft-on-crime delusions. People like Josh think he's running about the times when we are living and dying in it. Now many have said that people are jumping the gun by assuming Josh was killed by a random person. And that totally misses the point. Once you create a culture of lawlessness and unaccountability that trickles down, would-be murderers know you've been disarmed. Or that you might not take that shot in legal self-defense due to the reasonable fear that a Soros DA will indict you. And not just that. It's not even about the political. It, it is quite literally just when you create a system of chaos and crime, the chaos and crime finds its way to you. It's, it's, you know, it's like, uh, uh it's like Batman even, uh, the story is that, you know, uh, um, Thomas Wayne, Bruce's father, they were these, they were progressives. They believed in the people of Gotham and they're trying to help the poor. And then he gets shot and killed. I know, I know there's a lot more to the lore than that. And, uh, and people are going to be like, how dare you insult Thomas Wayne? He was based. No, look, man, you sit around hippy dippy signs like we're going to help people. And then someone knocks on your window and they're like, hey, I forgot my keys. And you're like, I'm going to do the right thing and let in this man because I'm here to help. And then he punches you in the face and murders you. That's not what the guy did. In that story, by the way, he laughed and talked with her, went in the elevator, forced her to the roof where, yeah, you get the point. I'll spare you the details. But she died. You cannot escape this hell whole world by uh, being, uh, being created by Soros, Biden, and even mainstream Democrats. He says, under the Bolsheviks, your punishment for having a knife when they searched you would be very different from the thieves. For him, to have a knife was a mere misbehavior. Tradition. He didn't know any better. But for you, it was terrorism. That was part of the story. When the guy said, I had to defend myself. See, the criminal doesn't know any better. The poor criminal must be helped. But you, upstanding citizen, you should know better. Don't protect yourself. Self-defense is illegal in Texas. Who remembers the case in Texas where a man went to prison for defending himself against an armed, violent revolutionary? A Soros DA convicted an active duty service member and Uber driver, uh, Daniel Perry, for defending himself against this man. That's right. A dude walked up to Daniel Perry with his weapon in hand, low ready, and pointing it in, in, down towards the car. He sees this guy walking with his hand, low ready, and he shoots at him. Prison. That's Texas, who remembers Daniel Penny. Red values, blue hellhole, Cernovich writes. Soros DA, like his spiritual predecessors, released criminals while imprisoning law-abiding citizens. The people on the train said that Penny saved their lives that day. Doesn't matter. They're going to lock him up. Mike says, how bad is it going to get really? I was talking to some dads at the park, and one of them was starting to really get it. He's a nice guy and not someone you'd expect to understand where the country is at. The other dad is a friend and longtime reader. We got to the topic of how you can live, how you can live knowing what's coming. In the short term, CCW is critical, concealed carry. and is good training. and living in a country where the sheriff will enforce the law, DA will arrest criminals and not indict you for self-defense. It's reassuring that men are waking up. One of the dads said, ten years ago, I'd have walked away from this conversation and said, "You're a crank. Now I'm here and we're, we all understand what's happening. It can't be denied. Criminal gangs arriving via Open the Border, monetary policy causing inflation, insurance increases, health care, you name it, it's all up, gas back to $7. We even talked how people in cars are losing it as a result of backbreaking financial woes caused by the regime. Brace for impact. Regular readers know that despair is demonic. Sitting around doomsdaying is also usually a LARP by people who are convinced they'll they'll be warlords once a comet hits, even though they've yet to find meaningful success in this world. Also, there was two decades of wars. Talk to your bros who ran missions if anarchy and chaos is a desired situation. It is not. I can't even speak to that. I can only tell you about being in places like Egypt. And that was for a couple weeks when I was watching that revolution unfold. I don't even think that long, like eight days or something. And it's, it's not a place you want to be in. Looking down from my hotel, seeing APCs drive around with people screaming, shooting at each other. I was like, guys, we got to get out. I am not a war correspondent. I cover urban conflict and civil unrest to the point of civil war. And when it becomes war, that's when I know I lack the capabilities to handle this. And I have no problem saying that. Only a fool would stand there and be like, I can handle a war zone. Yeah, I only left because, you know, I had to make, I had to come. No way. I have no problem saying outright, my capabilities end when it becomes warfare. To ride in the streets. I know how to handle tear gas and people shooting guns. Active multi-faction conflict with APCs, bridges being shut down, ain't for me. I don't have that capabilities. You need somebody with probably military background who has gotten out and started working in the journalism field and can do security and knows how to handle these things. I certainly do not. That's an important thing to recognize what your capabilities really are. Self-defense training is no longer optional. Dad or mom, cardio for the I'm too busy crowd. And that's where it wraps. But uh, I recommend checking out Cernovich. Yo, he's not wrong. And, 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 you know, we, we, we do the show last night with uh, Dave Rubin and Luke, and they're talking about how great Florida is. And Dave saying there's no crime. That is not true. Look, I got no problem telling you that Florida is doing great. And, uh, politically I'm impressed, but yo, know, they've got bad neighborhoods everywhere. And I'm not saying it's getting as bad as everywhere else. In fact, it's probably getting better. But that, that being said, you need to take crime seriously. Now, for the rest of us who don't live in Florida, depending on where you live, if you're adjacent to a blue state or otherwise, this is what Democrats are bringing about. They're getting carjacked themselves. So I don't know. We don't want to be extremists. But what do you say when you got two high profile leftists, moderately like activists, I should say, of profile, public, public figures being killed in a matter of a couple of days? A Democrat getting carjacked. This stuff is getting crazier and crazier. Yo, know, it's not about civil war. It's about crime on the rise. But I will say this. Understand. When I talk about civil war, I am not saying the, the freedom faction states hereby decree against the establishment forces, the the, the, the new Mason Dixon, and then they're marching down the streets in their uniforms and they're goose-stepping or whatever it is. That's ridiculous. Civil war when society breaks down. When people start to think the police don't enforce the law, what happens? When you look at those roving bands of mobs in Philly, the biggest we've seen, 100 plus people smashing up stores and stealing whatever they want. They're doing it because in their minds, the police can't stop them. My life growing up and in many countries, the police have the monopoly on violence. You can't win against them. You do as you're told. That's it. The reason why you comply with police, they got the monopoly. The court systems, all of them back them. you win to the process by which we are afforded by the Constitution and by our legal precedent. It's difficult and sometimes unjust, but you don't fight the people who quite literally these cops shoot people and then say, I was scared for my life. And often it's like, well, okay, that's what we expect of them. Here's what happens now. I'm saying you don't physically fight them. Don't do that. That's stupid. What's happened now is you have a generation of young people that do not believe the police have the authority to do anything. So the way you understand it is this. Imagine you see a bunch of clowns. I'm serious. Seven clowns walking down the street and they, have, and they have rifles. The only thing that is going to make you follow their orders is that they're armed and you are not. A group of clowns and they come to your house and say, we're going to, we're out of the way. We're searching your house for contraband. You'd be like, what? Who are you guys? The guys with weapons. You're, you're being robbed, right? You're being robbed. See, when the police do it, you're like, this is the system by which we live, and we have pushback. We believe law enforcement has restrictions. Because of these restrictions, we actually grant them some leeway, and we respect the rules to a degree. It's a bit fair. You got to get a warrant. You got a warrant. Fine. It sucks. Sometimes unjust. But what's happening now is these people in places like Philly and San Francisco see the cops, and they look at the cops like clowns, clowns who aren't even armed half the time. And and the clown walks out of them and says, you can't take that phone. And they go, get out of here. Clown. My point is this. You look at a cop, you see authority. They look at a cop, they see clown. Would you listen to a clown when the clown gives you instructions? No. Understand. That is my point. This is how revolution and civil war begins. Not everywhere, not all the time. I'm saying it is a, it is a open door. When you have people in the suburbs of Philly, let's say this, let's say there's a town 40 miles outside of Philly and crime is running rampant and roving bands are going neighbor, going to neighborhoods and robbing things. What do you do? You have to create your own neighborhood watch. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying people will be like, we got, we got to protect ourselves. These cops ain't doing it for us. What happens then? When the riots break out, the police circle the wagons around government and not you. When multiple factions start popping up to protect their own homes and neighborhoods because law enforcement no longer exists and is not functioning. What then happens when the cops come in their neighborhood and say, hand in your guns, you guys have too many they say, you don't have authority. You don't protect us. We protect us. I don't even know who you are. When there is no more confidence in law enforcement, then you'll just get mini warlords. Now, I don't know when or how or what happens, but pay attention to this stuff. Maybe we're all wrong. Fine, so be it. I'd appreciate if I was. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The civil war is on, but I don't mean that civil war I'm talking about. The Republicans are fighting amongst each other. And of course, I am on the Matt Gaetz faction side because Matt Gaetz is doing the Lord's work in fighting against DC corruption and these policies of kicking the can down the road and making you pay for it. Kevin McCarthy was supposed to work with the Freedom Caucus and MAGA Republicans, as many say, they call them the far right Republicans, but I would say anti-establishment faction. And instead, he cut a backroom deal with Democrats to get a continuing resolution through to fund the government and provide funding to Ukraine and a whole bunch of stuff we, the American people, do not want. Matt Gaetz is one of the only people, there's a handful, but he's leading the charge in standing up against this. Right now, you've got Kevin McCarthy saying, you know, I got funding for the troops, for veterans, and now you're trying to remove me. Here's his quote. A defiant McCarthy has scheduled the vote for Tuesday saying, if you throw the speaker, that kept government open and paid the troops, I think, we're in a really bad place. What a despicable and disgusting misrepresentation. And that's why I say you can't trust this guy. But I do think Matt Gates played it right. You go back to when the fight over the Speaker of the House was happening. And a lot of people were asking why it was that Matt Gates finally caved in. He even nominated Trump. I loved it. It was absolutely hilarious. Why now give in? What more could you do? I think Matt Gates is smart. I think he's doing the right thing. And uh, I think this was the strategic move. You can't just obstruct forever. You need a plan. So when it comes to the fight over the speakership, Matt Gates says, look, we want concessions. We don't trust you. It's going to be the same corporate politics garbage. Finally, it comes down to it and he says, OK. And many of the other people came around and said, we're going to back McCarthy on this one. I think For the most part, where where we are now, it shows it was the right move. Because now, when Kevin McCarthy did exactly what Republicans feared, cutting a backroom deal with Democrats to bypass what actual Republicans were fighting for, you see, Kevin McCarthy is untrustworthy and may as well just be a Democrat. But here's the best part. They may vote today. The question is, are they going to vote right away at noon And by the time you're watching this, it's well afternoon. Or is the question uh, or are they going to vote later tonight? I think it might be later. We'll see. By the time you watch this, the news may already come out. It's an unfortunate circumstance of breaking news when I record my segments. But Democrats are going to have to be the ones to save Kevin McCarthy. If Democrats cross the aisle and vote for the Republican, they will be eviscerated by their bases. I do not see a circumstance in which Democrats are going to be able to vote to support Kevin McCarthy. Just think about it. All of these woke Democrats, progressives, leftists, and even moderate Democrats are going to have to answer to any number of progressives, anti-Trump lunatics when they say, here's why I supported a Republican for speaker. They don't care about the logic behind it. They don't care for the uniparty. Democrats are not. and, And look, you're gonna have to overcome however many votes Republicans uh, so he might he might need like 11 to 12 Democrats to switch sides and vote for a Republican Speaker of the House Oof. now to, to clarify it would be voting to keep him in so they could they could say look it's disruptive and we already have him as speaker let's just get the work done here and the Republicans have a majority blah 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 I think a lot of Democrats are going to demand, they're going to demand uh, the voters, they're going to demand of their, of their politicians, of the representatives to take action against McCarthy. But we'll see. Marjorie Taylor Greene is on the side of McCarthy. You got a lot of people coming out saying Matt Gates is wrong. And now they're trying to remove Matt Gates. I don't think that'll happen because they want to expel Matt. He's just saying no more Kevin McCarthy. Apparently, this is only the third time it's ever happened. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Republican Civil War. Here's a story from NBC News. House will vote today on Rep Gates's push to topple McCarthy as speaker. I want to give what I can a, 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 an applause to Matt Gates for doing all of this, despite facing the risks he is facing. A lot of people were saying that uh, uh, we got a super chat the other day. Madison Cawthorn exposed McCarthy and they ousted him. But Matt Gates is saying or has said he will file the motion every single day if he has to. There's no way I see Kevin McCarthy surviving this. I mean, no, 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 that, that, that's probably, okay, It's to be fair, Kevin McCarthy can definitely survive this. I'm just saying, if Matt Gates keeps doing it over and over, and they're forced to vote every day, eventually, Democrats are going to eviscerate McCarthy. They're going to be making demands. They're going to be getting whatever they want. McCarthy will effectively be a Democrat. Oh, hey, he's from California. I'm sure it'll be fine for him when it comes to re-election in that regard. But here's the story from NBC News. Taking his critics head on, a defiant speaker, let me uh, let me zoom in here. Here we go. A defiant speaker, Kevin McCarthy, told rank and file Republicans in a private meeting that he would call a vote Tuesday afternoon on Rep. Matt Gates' resolution to oust him from the speaker's office, according to lawmakers leaving the meeting. He is going to stand on his record, and then we're going to vote his retention on his record. Rep. Daryl Issa and McCarthy ally and fellow California Republican said as he left the closed door meeting in the basement of the Capitol. I just want to stop and say I absolutely despise Kevin McCarthy, the corporate neo party, the neolibs, neocons. And that's why I think Matt Gates is doing the Lord's work. He's going to stand on his record and we're going to vote for his retention under House rules. McCarthy had until Wednesday to take up the resolution that Gates, a conservative Florida Republican, filed Monday night. But McCarthy and his allies are moving to rip off the band-aid and quickly take on the so-called motion to vacate. That has been a huge distraction in the Capitol. I love how NBC News, basically you call it CIA news, just defends the establishment with all of these unnecessary caveats. Look at this. Or I should say qualifiers and additions. They say. Gates, a conservative Florida Republican and Donald Trump loyalist, for what purpose was that added to the story? These people are despicable. They are poisoning the well. They want you to hate Trump. They want you to hate Gates. Here's the thing Donald Trump backed McCarthy. That's right. And then Trump said something to the effect of he's not going to speak out against McCarthy because McCarthy says nice things about him. Great. I get politics. I understand where people are, McCarthy told reporters, but he added. I truly believe the institution of the house at the end of the day, if you throw a speaker out that has 99% of their confidence that kept government open and paid the troops, I think we're in a really bad place. Whose troops? Whose troops? Ukraine's troops. That's right. Kevin McCarthy's ain't talking about your troops. He's talking about Ukraine's troops because he cut a backroom deal to get funding for Ukraine. That's how it works, huh? Keeps government open. Whose government open? Ukraine's government open. I say it all the time, my friends. I, I think Ukraine's fantastic. It's an amazing place. It's got a lot of problems, especially now. But I had spent some time there, and it's beautiful, and there's good food, and there's good people, and they work hard. And I and, and I feel for them, I really do. But for what reason is Kevin McCarthy working on deals to get money to them instead of money to you, the American taxpayer? All right, more, I, I should say it's money from you to them. And the funny thing is, you know what he's really saying? Money to the troops. Matt Gates specifically, explicitly stated when he came on Timcast IRL last week that one of the first things we're focusing on is a single subject spending bill for VA benefits to make sure veterans are getting their pay. I believe he mentioned the troops as well. Uh, uh, defense, he said, if you want a defense spending bill, get me the defense spending bill. But what they keep trying to do, because they are corrupt scumbags, instead of saying, fine, pay the troops and like- They could have come up and said, here's 10 pages of the funding we need in the immediate. Get this done. We'll negotiate Omnibus later. No, people like McCarthy refuse, refuse. Why? Because the way the machine works is corporate lobbyists come in, cut deals with the the congressional leadership, draft this 5000 page garbage full of funding for a total, total BS, and then tell members of Congress you're voting for it. End of story. Because if you don't vote for it, now you're not funding the troops. Matt Gates comes in and says, no, no, you want to fund the troops? You get me a bill that says fund the troops. That's it. We're done. And they said, no, Kevin McCarthy couldn't get it done. So he cut a deal with Democrats to cross the aisle and vote for him. And for that, Matt Gates says, I'm going to remove you. Look, what's the point of a Republican majority in Congress? They keep talking about, they're coming after Donald Trump. Okay. Now I'll rag on Trump for supporting McCarthy all day and night. I don't think Trump is perfect. I think he barely qualifies as what we need, right? It's the best option we have. I'll take it. Trump did a lot of good things. He did a lot of bad things, but I'll take it. I'll take it right now. We got a culture. We got a political conflict. But what's the point when they all come out and say, Donald Trump cost us the majority? Donald Trump, because of his endorsements, we could have done better. Lies. Not true. And you know what? Doesn't even matter. Because even though the Republicans did take a slim majority, and I'm mostly, mostly excited for people like Matt Gates. Many of these rank and file Republicans are going to march in lockstep with the Uniparty. Even though they got that slim majority, what do they do? Kevin McCarthy negotiates with the Democrats instead. What is the purpose of a Republican majority? What's the purpose if all that's going to happen is Kevin McCarthy is effectively a Democrat? Nothing. So Matt Gates is completely in the right to do this. And I got to say, anybody who is saying Matt is wrong may as well be a Democrat, even Marjorie Taylor Greene. Hey, I like Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think the media lies about her and smears her, and I think she does she does good things. But I got to say, if you finally get, after years, a slim majority, and you are not going after the corruption of the Democrats, and you are instead negotiating with them to cut deals to fund Ukraine, you are a Democrat. And if you're defending McCarthy now, you are the antithesis of what everyone was campaigning for and advocating for in 2022 to get this slim majority. I don't care for most Republican policies as it pertains to you know, abortion these moral, many of these moral issues. No, no, I care about freedom and I care about weaning out the corruption in the establishment. But if you're standing behind the corrupt establishment elites, you may as well be a Democrat. Why then would I vote for you? I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I didn't vote Republicans in 2016 or 18. And I only voted for the Republicans in Congress in 2020 because Donald Trump's second term agenda was good. COVID was bad. I did not want a Democrat to get in based on what we were seeing. But Trump put out this this second term agenda. And I said, I agree with too much of these things and have made videos in support of them. It would be hypocritical for me to come out and say I would not get behind this, despite the fact I do take issues with what Trump represents. Trump, I say right now, 51 percent. That, that, that's where I'm at with him. And what I mean by that is I wish any president could have a, like my approval rating of a candidate would be higher than that. Trump in terms of realistic chances to win, the things he stands for and has pushed against, and most importantly, the likelihood to which he fires people. That's mostly it. Right now, you have a Trump who's still behind McCarthy, bad. I want the corporate neolib, neocon unit party to face a reckoning. More politicians like Matt Gates coming in and saying, we won't stand for this. And then you get people who are saying Matt Gates is just auditioning for a job. And I'm like, dude, literally meaningless to me. If you come to me and say Donald Trump is evil and he's only doing this for himself because he's got an ego and he wants everyone to know his name. My response is, so he got $3 billion returned to Michigan for with, with an auto plant brought back in during his presidency for evil, malicious, self-centered reasons. Awesome. I wish more of our politicians were so evil That they would desperately and pathetically try to get support from the American people by bringing back jobs and securing our borders and shutting down the Trans-Pacific Partnership and ending foreign wars, bringing our troops back home. No new wars. Wow. I really do think Trump's ego drove him to do those things. Trump wants you to know his name. He wants you to love him. He wants to be recognized. And oh, whoopsie daisy, he accidentally did a whole bunch of really good things in the process. The ideas and the motivation behind good deeds don't matter as much to me. I certainly don't like the idea of evil people doing evil things. But if you come out and you say, Donald Trump is a demon, he's pure evil, I'm like, wow, look at the manifestation of his evil. He so desperately wants your love and affection for his ego, he did a bunch of good things for the American people. When I look now at what Matt Gates is doing, I'll say this. You want to argue that Matt Gates is doing these things because he wants to be governor or he wants to be senator or he's looking for higher office. I literally don't care. Finally, it looks like we have someone who is doing what we want them to do. And if Matt Gates advances to uh, he, he runs for the Senate, let's say he run, I don't think he's going to be governor. I don't believe that. I think these are smears against him to make it seem like his intentions are not genuine, but I don't care if they are. Your arguments are meaningless to me. You're like, Matt Gates is only doing this to, to win your support, Tim, so that he can run for governor. I don't live in Florida, and I certainly ain't going to be voting for governor in Florida. I'm not going to be voting for Senate nor in his district. I can only, but oh, but I'm speaking uh, well of him. I hope there are two scenarios. One, the one I I, I genuinely prefer is that Matt Gates is a good dude who's fighting the good fight against this corruption. Love it. Second best scenario, Matt Gates is a careerist shill who is fighting the good fight, desperately pandering to you. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, look, Hillary Clinton comes out and says she's got hot sauce in her purse. That's It means meaningless. It's not a policy position. Matt Gates challenged, challenges McCarthy, who's basically giving up the hard fought, slim Republican majority. We are seeing no accountability. We are seeing compromise. We are seeing what is effectively a Democrat going the speed limit. If Matt Gates's intention was to pander to the likes of me so I say good things about him, well, it's very smart of him to do things that I like. Now, isn't it? I'm not going to read the dude's mind, and I'm not going to try and understand his deeper motivations. Sure, if there's some Machiavellian plot behind the scenes to subvert and destroy the world is a bad thing. But right now, if you're saying, stop negotiating with Democrats, we won in 2022, and we want to get accountability, but then McCarthy is doing this stuff, he's negotiating with Democrats to bypass the majority then you're basically saying 2022 was for naught. And I'll clarify for all of you, because I get these people who are like, Tim says we and us, that proves a conservative. No, no, I don't actually agree with most conservative policy. And I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm talking about anti-establishment. That's what I'm talking about. Clearly, McCarthy's a Republican. And if I wanted to bet Republicans, I'd get behind party leadership. But I despise the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. I think they're all bad. We're only so lucky to have a small handful of people in the Republican Party who are anti-establishment. So I'll take what I can get. If the Republicans win a majority, how many of us said back in 2022, we all said we could probably get this. And then everyone goes, yeah, but who cares? Like, even if they get it, they're not going to do anything. Oh, man, Luke Rudkowski was saying it over and over again. And boy, was he right. Let me stress this for you. The fact that McCarthy is negotiating with Democrats basically means the 2022 slim majority, meaningless. And how many of us saw this coming? The challenge is, it is not, it is not for us to look at this and say, then there's no one to vote for. No, no. It means at the local level, you got to support anti-establishment. At the local level, you got to support people who are challenging the likes of McCarthy. It means that we are talking about a freedom faction versus the machine. And for that, Gates is only one person. McCarthy says he won't give Democrats anything in exchange for support as speaker. Well, he already negotiated a backroom deal with them to fund Ukraine. So why would I believe this guy? I am sick of these Republicans playing this game where they're like, "Now slow down there, Democrats. That's what they do. That's McConnell. Oh, gee, Democrats, slow down. And the Democrats go to the Republicans and say, we want more ice cream. We want free candy. And the Republicans are like, well, okay, I guess. Matt Gaetz is finally somebody who is just like, no. That's all it takes, man, some days, just to look them in the eyes and say, no. I wish we had more of it. All right. Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm a fan. I like Marjorie. I'm going to read for you her thread, breaking this down to get her perspective, and we'll uh, bring up these arguments. She tweets, I remember last Congress when 11 Republicans voted with the Democrats to kick me off committees. I didn't care about the Democrat votes, but the 11 Republicans votes stung. Now my friend Matt Gaetz says he's going to make a motion to vacate Speaker McCarthy. And I saw, and I saw in the news that other Republicans are now talking about expelling Matt Gates. Here's how I see all of this. As members of Congress, we are each elected, by, hired by the people of our districts to represent them and responsibly, responsibly govern for the American people. The electorate gave Republicans the majority of this Congress, which means we are in charge of responsibly making a budget and control where the American people hard-earned tax dollars are spent and how. But we only have 222 Republicans and it takes 218 to pass anything. I can't possibly explain to you how difficult it is to get 218 votes of 218 of us to agree on anything. I often compare it to that of a family argument of not being able to agree on what to eat for dinner. I want this. No, I want that. No, I don't want that. It never ends. Here's the bottom line. Most people generally care about four things, their kids, their pets, their bank accounts, their jobs, and their weekends. And when stupid politicians are screwing up anything to do with their four things, people get angry and rightfully so. And right now, people are angry about a lot, and I don't blame them. They're still angry at COVID shutdowns and mandates. They're suffering from Bidenomics that created crippling inflation. They're appalled at Democrats' open border policies. The Biden admin seating our border, et cetera, et cetera. I want to get to the point of her more prescriptive uh, analysis. Killing Russians could lead to World War III. Super politicians are doing all these things. I don't blame people one bit for hating politicians in D.C. It's going to be really hard to do that in normal times. Uh, saying, but now we've got to start the week off with a big family feud and a motion to vacate Kevin McCarthy and a movement to expel Matt Gates. All of this has the Democrats, whose America's electorate f- fired last Congress, Giddy with opportunity to take full advantage of gleaning prizes for themselves in exchange for votes. All of this now has the House of Representatives on the verge of chaos and will only leave our majority weakened and dangerously fractured. Full stop there, Marjorie. If Kevin McCarthy cut a backroom deal, you have no majority. Have a nice day. Thanks for watching and I'll see you all next time. No, I'm not really ending it there. We've got a couple more minutes. I always go about 20. What's the point? Why should I I'm not in Congress. I'm just a dude who complains on the internet, right? Why should I, the moderate voter in this country, sick of the wokeness and the corruption, get behind, go in the speed limit for corruption? Not going to happen. That's it. Now, on the verge of our, our, our majority is fractured. You don't have one, you don't have a majority. Kevin McCarthy's cutting backroom deals with Democrats. Your majority is meaningless to me. And I don't see a very strong reason to support or vote for any of you. Matt Gates, sure. Donald Trump, maybe. But what's the point? What's the point? People have mentioned, like, would you vote for Donald Trump if he chose Nikki Haley as his VP? And I was like, man, I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. It's tough. It really is. Because, you know, my position 2012, 2016 was Count me out, ladies and gentlemen. I ain't voting between a giant douche and a turd sandwich. South Park hit the nail on the head with a hammer. And then I get, you know, we had Phil Labonte mention this, whatever slows down the far left, we should support. And I'm like, I disagree. No, no, no. I agree with Phil. I do. But I don't believe supporting this slows them down at all. At all. The argument is vote in favor of the corporate uniparty or vote slightly in favor of the corporate uniparty. And I'm kind of like, I abstain from providing any of my support and my, my, my word or my voice to these individuals. Marjorie Taylor Greene says, we are here because Congress operates on a calendar set up for producing annual failure. With a September 30th fiscal year end and a calendar that sends Congress home all of August and half of September, it's obvious why there's usually an emergency continuing resolution to avoid a shutdown. Usually resulting in a Christmas omnibus, which is really like a giant lump of coal in the American people's stockings. No wonder we're $33 trillion in debt. Intentional systemic failure is something I have no respect for and refuse to be part of this has to change. What I see is a system of failure, et cetera, et cetera. So I agree with Matt Gates that things must change, but I don't agree with the motion to vacate will effectively create the changes needed to solve the intentional systemic failure of the annual never ending CRs. A MTV of uh, uh, uh motion to vacate of our MTV uh, of our speaker gives the upper hand of the Democrats. I don't care. I don't. I don't care because you're telling me the option is give Democrats the power or negotiate with Democrats to give them the power. And I'm just like, huh? What you're proposing is negotiate with Democrats. The other alternative is vote for Democrats. I propose an alternative option. Matt Gates says No. If you negotiate with Democrats, thus negating our majority, we have you removed as Speaker. Matt Gaetz is the only one standing up for what little shred of opportunity we have. And if the rank and file neocon Republicans don't want to get behind that, so be it. Then they can lose. I I reject this. I reject outright the weakness. Uh Uh-oh. I got to give you guys a poker analogy. I'm, I'm no pro or anything like this, but I'm a fairly aggressive poker player. And I, strong, I, I, love, I love these analogies. I love, I love poker. I love skateboarding. These things give you life lessons in strength, determination, and, and how to win. And that's why I bring it up here. I'm going to give you a skateboarding analogy and a poker analogy, things that I do in skateboarding. There's no cheating. There is none. If you want to land a trick, that holds a risk of bodily harm to yourself, you can't lie. You have to do it. You have to assume those risks. And the risk may be, for what? You slid down a railing. We call them handrails, right? But people know them mostly as railings, right? You jump on the stairs, you slide down on your board. Oh boy, if you slip and fall, you get hurt. But that risk is there and you know it. And guess what? You land it and for a few seconds it feels good, but the fight continues. And that risk is worth it. Look, man, I like Marjorie, but what she's basically saying is, let's just take it easy and not go for the big trick here. And I'm like, no, go for it. Take the risk. But there's a better analogy. And that, my friends, is poker, of which I know Matt Gates is a player. That's why I understand what it is he's on about. Somewhat of 70 to 80 percent of poker hands that, uh, that win are not the best hands. All right, what is it? I, I, I phrase this better. 80% of winning hands in poker are not the best hands. That means play is substantially more important than the cards you are dealt. There are many circumstances where the dealer gives you the worst possible cards. But you know, you know the limitations of the players you're up against. And thus you put the pressure on and force them to concede and you win without holding the best cards. This is the game I'd prefer to play. I'm playing poker. I was playing against a guy, we were playing at uh, Hard Rock, because we're here in Miami, and there was this guy who, uh, he's a cool dude, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, he would uh, raise $15 whenever he had a hand that was good. And I didn't know, he he, he, he it was a flat raise, it was either nothing or 15 It's like he folds everything or he bets $15. i am like, interesting, this means that and he's trying to mask the strength of his cards. He doesn't, if you know, if you get aces, you get a really good hand, you bet big. No, 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 he doesn't want to do that, right? So I just thought about, okay, this guy only, he's going for hands that he thinks are good or winnable, which means I know likely the cards that he's playing. But I also noticed another player made a big bet. He folded immediately. That's right. So what, I, what did I do? With one of the worst possible hands... I open the pot. It means I make the first bet. He raised, like a small amount, like five bucks. He raises to 15. I'm like, here, here we go. He thinks he's got a playable hand. We get one caller, comes to me. I shove $200 in the middle. I say, all in. Fold, fold, free money. My hand was trash. I knew he had me beat. But he was unwilling to take the risk. Now, for all of you who don't play poker, whatever, my point is this. Matt Gates is saying, what's it worth to you? Because to me, it's worth everything is it worth the same to you, Kevin McCarthy? Kevin McCarthy can back down and say it's not worth a fight. We'll just keep moving forward. Matt Gates is saying outright, I will risk my position here with people threatening to expel me to do what I need to do because I'm more willing and you're not. That's what I call testosterone and being a man. McCarthy, is a mild mannered California tepid politician compromising with Democrats who would sell out your tax dollars to soft on crime policies and funding for Ukraine. Most Republicans, almost all of them do the same thing. Matt Gaetz says, I don't care. Bring it on. He nominated Trump. So I got to say this. All right. I'm not here. I'm not here to just sit back and be like, I guess we'll lose again. No, I'm going to be a lie. all in, baby. Call me out. Let's see if the cards run out in your favor. I got garbage, but I am sick of this game. And I'm willing to put those chips up. Are you? You know what? You can call me tilted. That's what they say when you get emotional at the poker table and make risky bets, play poorly. I don't look at it that way. I see this as an aggressive tactic, and Matt Gates actually has the cards. That's why Kevin McCarthy is facing vac- the, the vacancy, the, the removal because the negotiations happened, the Republicans like Matt Gates, the, the, the freedom you know, faction or whatever, won these, these concessions and are now using them. Bring it on, baby. I think it's possible by the time you watch this, the vote already happened. But I wanted to make sure how I feel about this, I wanted to express that. So I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all then. I've been following this story quite a bit when it first happened. The details a tech CEO in Baltimore, a young woman found murdered. And sure enough, as soon as I heard the story was breaking news, it's Baltimore. I wonder why. Why is the story such big news? It's fascinating. Lots of murders happen in Baltimore, but this was a young, wealthy white woman in her well-to-do area. So sure enough, I found out that the tech entrepreneur CEO was quite a bit woke. She had posted about hiring practices hiring people of color instead of white people, things about Black Lives Matter. And of course, she was of the political persuasion that believes we should be soft on crime. Sure enough, we then discovered that it was a man who was released early, a convicted sex offender, and the police knew that just days before he murdered this woman, he had tortured another couple, setting them on fire. We now have new details as to what happened, and I think it just exacerbates this mentality people have and the issues. Of wokeness. I will not I will not uh, bury the lead on this. we're gonna go through it. but the story is, this man, the killer, followed her to her house. She was safely in her lobby, about to go home. when he waved to her through the door, pretending as though he lost his keys, and this woman said, "I'm gonna let him in." And you know what I think is, a large component of this? I don't care about this guy's race. I care that you don't let strangers in your through, through your doors. However, one thing we've seen with this Yale study, this just came out in 2018. White liberals, leftists talk down to black people. They treat them like they're inferior, like their children. And I, for one, think that's racist. There was a, a clip with Bill Maher and a, and a black woman I'm not, I'm not familiar with. But uh, I only bring up her race because she points out. That it is one of the most racist things that these liberals claim she can't get an ID. That they're being racist to her. It's the soft bigotry of low expectations. And so what you end up with is these white people who, when confronted with any kind of security risk, think to themselves, well, I don't want to be racist. And I think this was a component in what happened to this woke CEO. She's likely thinking herself, and I will admit, part of it I find honorable and admirable. This idea that you don't want to be biased against someone just because of their race, I can respect it, but that doesn't mean you forego basic security. So here's what I say. I told the story earlier. I'm at my friend's house. It's it's a uh, uh, they have like a, a central uh, a center. Uh, I don't I don't know what you'd call it um, an atrium. The the when you walk into their apartments, there's a gate. You're still outside, and then all the apartments like kind of motel style, but it's in a gated area, and. I'm inside, and someone's like, hey, I lo- forgot my keys. Can you let me in? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, oh, come on, dude. And I'm like, what do you mean you come on, dude? Right? First of all, I don't live here. I ain't open a door for you, the gate. I didn't say it like that. I was like, sorry, man, I don't live here. And he's like, okay. And then someone eventually came and let him in, and, and I'm I, pretty sure he did live there. But my point is like, dude, I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, Latino, man, woman. There's a reason why the gate's locked. You You need to have a key to get in. And so what I think you end up with is if this woman... I bet if it was a white dude who was knocking on the door, waving to her, she probably would have just been like, "Uh, do you live here or something? Or I don't know, fine, whatever. There's a possibility she just opened the door for anybody. I think that's fair to say. But I think there's a component of this white guilt that they'd be more forgiving to a tattooed man they don't recognize if he is not white, as opposed to a white dude doing the same thing. Take a look at this story. New details emerge with the slang of beloved Baltimore Tech CEO and the suspect. Just moments before police believe Baltimore Tech Executive Pava LaPierre was killed, surveillance footage captured her alleged attacker following her into an elevator of her apartment building where her body would be be discovered on the roof days later. Court documents say the documents shed new light on an alleged Friday night interaction between LaPierre and the man accused of killing her. Jason Dean Billingsley, a convicted sex offender who was already being sought by police as the suspect in a rape, arson, and attempted murder days earlier. And they did not put out a warning to the public. If they put out a warning to the public saying, this guy is a suspect in these killings, she would not have let him in. Again, she's being followed. She goes into her lobby, door is closed behind her. She's about to safely go home when she sees a man outside waving, imagine a notice was put up by the police, suspect, rape and torture. She would have been like, that guy matched that description. I ain't going anywhere near it. Instead, the police held back. But again, who do I blame? I blame woke policies and, and woke advocacy, woke leftists who condemn the police. And the police are like, we put this out, we're gonna be called racist. So they don't do it. LePair, CEO and co-founder of the small startup Ecomap Technologies likely died Friday, police said, but her body wasn't discovered till Monday. And here you go. Take a look at this. On Friday, Billingsley was captured on video following LaPierre as she walked home. Law enforcement sources briefed and the investigation told CNN. LaPierre did not seem to notice a suspect who kept a distance from her. LaPierre entered her apartment building's lobby, but returned to the front door after she saw a man, later identified as Billingsley, waving at her through the glass. A statement of charges obtained by CNN affiliate WJZ says, citing surveillance footage, Billingsley appeared as though he was having trouble getting in the building as if he'd forgotten his keys. LePair opened the door and let Billingsley in, according to the document. The two can be seen on video having a conversation before getting into an elevator together. Later, the suspect is seen coming back into the lobby through a stairwell, scrambling for an exit and wiping his hand on his shorts, the document says. About 40 minutes passed between when Billingsley followed the pair into an elevator and when he left the building. When her body was discovered on the rooftop on Monday, police found several items scattered across the scene, including a pair of red shoes believed to be La Pairs, the document said. She died of blunt force trauma and strangulation. After a days-long manhunt, Billingsley was arrested Wednesday at a train station in Bowie, Maryland, about 25 miles from downtown. CNN has not been able to determine if Billingsley has an attorney. A judge in Baltimore on Friday ordered Billingsley to remain in jail without bail, citing his criminal history and saying he's a flight risk. Billingsley had been charged with first-degree murder, first-degree assault, and other charges in LaPierre's death. He is also facing first-degree attempted murder, attempted second-degree murder, first-degree rape, second-degree rape, and first-degree arson for a September 19th incident uh, on Edmondson Avenue, about a mile from where LaPierre's body was found days later police were already searching for the suspect. That's right. They knew he was the, the suspect in a rape and torture, and they did not release the information to the public. Critics, critics have scrutinized police for not notifying the public when they were initially initially searching for Billingsley, but Worley defended the decision, saying detectives believed at the time that it had been an isolated targeted attack. Yes, a repeat offender who was in jail, sentenced for 30 years, but released Early, after seven years, for good behavior, thanks to soft on crime policies. Look, man, I oppose the death penalty. But I have no problem with locking people up in boxes for long periods of time. The point is, I think most people would rather live. You know, I had the argument, Sargon, uh, Carl Benjamin was saying, it's, it could be worse than death to be locked up in solitary forever. I'm like, sure, but I'm not talking about Solitary. I'm saying that if you get convicted of a crime, due process determines like, hey, you're a danger to society. We are going to lock you up. But in keeping up with the the protection of the innocent, we won't kill you. There are a lot of people who are innocent who were put to death, and that's the ultimate penalty that I and I don't agree with that system. However, there are many people who are innocently imprisoned, but that's that's my moral line. The best we can do. This guy should not have been released. Shouldn't have. Investigators had been tracking Billingsley and didn't want to issue a a flyer too soon, which could prompt the suspect to flee. Despite police tracking him, Billingsley was able to evade arrest because investigators never got close enough. As soon as we realized he had committed an act that seemed, seemed to be random, we put the flyer out. And as soon as we thought, as soon as he saw the flyer, he tried to elude capture, and then they caught him. I bet someone saw the flyer, notified them, and they were able to track him down. He pleaded guilty to first-degree assault in 09 and second-degree assault in 2011. Most recently, he was convicted of first-degree sex offense and sentenced to 30 years in prison in 2015. He was released in October 2022, and then he raped and killed again. It's amazing. Seven years. His release was not parole, but rather on mandatory supervision as required by statute. Well, this is what they, they, they vote for. This is what woke people advocate for. They want to avoid being seen as racist. So they would give their trust to people they don't know. I don't care what you think of me. I take security seriously. I don't care if you're a white dude, Asian dude, black dude, or lady for that matter. I ain't opening a security door for you. I'm going to be like, sorry, man, can't help you. You got a key? Bro, call your buddy. Is there someone you want me to get? Because I'll talk to a buddy if that's okay. Here's an important point for a lot of people because I see this happen all the time in New York, or I did when I was there. We would be going to uh, a friend's place or we'd need to get into a building. I've even I've even heard of people doing this when it's raining and they want to get in the lobby to avoid the rain. They walk up to the front door and there's a mailbox with a whole bunch of different uh, uh, buttons you can press. Like in New York apartments, you'll have like, the silver box and there'll be like, let's say there's 20 apartments. It'll say one through 20 in their apartments, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then what they'll do is They'll just press three or four random ones. And guess what happens? Some people go, hello? Who is it? Other people just hit the door. And open it up for you. No questions asked. Carefree. You know, it's beautiful that we live in a world where you can do such a thing most of the time and be totally fine. Because that's the reality. Humans don't want to be evil and they don't want to hurt you. But now things are changing. Now we have these murders, especially if you live in Baltimore. And now... It's very different. Now, you have to take it seriously. If someone comes to your door and tries to get in, you ask them, who is it? You know, but in, in places like Philly, you can have guns in Philly, too. In places like Baltimore, where it's almost impossible to have, in New Jersey, in New York. I'm sorry, man. California, y'all are in trouble. But you want to live there and you want to experience this stuff. By all means, go ahead with my blessing. Look, this young woman should not be dead. I am not directly blaming her saying that she did anything to warrant this, but I am pointing out the lax sensibilities these people don't understand. You are allowed to open the door for people to be nice. I'm not going to blame you or blame her for someone doing it, but I'm going to point out where society has gone. It has gotten to the point where, you know, it used to be uh, so much more dangerous But things got so safe for so long in this golden age that we've made that it resulted in many women no longer fearing the true threats they would face. I want to make sure I'm clear. Men are five times more likely to be the victims of violent crime. But men are also more likely to be able to protect themselves from another man. What this means is that if a guy is victimized, he has a chance to fight back or just submit. Women typically need a gun or something to protect themselves, pepper spray, because women tend to be shorter, less muscle mass, less bone density, less skin collagen, less striking power, grip strength. So a guy has a, uh, your average guy can overpower your average woman. This is why I advocate for women to have guns. Now, a lot of people say, I don't know about that. Women get scared. I'm like, don't care. You have a right to keep and bear arms. You want to argue that changed the constitution. This woman should have had a gun. And then when she let the guy in, she would have been like, whatever. And when the guy grabbed her, she could have draw, drawn her weapon and saved her life from a convicted sex offender, rapist, arsonist, who then went on to murder her. It's a sad story, man. And I wish this didn't happen to her. All I can say is I hope the message is clear for everybody who sees these things. First and foremost, let's leave the politics out of it. Don't open doors for strangers. There's a reason the door's locked in the first place. You know what she could have done? She could have said, I'm going to go upstairs, but I'll buzz you in. How about that? Then the guy would have just left. She could have gotten the elevator, said, give me, give me a minute. I'll be right back. Gone up to her room and then said, yeah, do you live here? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, okay, I'm buzzing you in. He could have come in and then he wouldn't know where she was. And her door is locked. The story, story at first, I thought he broke into her house or something. No, she let him in. She let him in. If you are adamant on letting strangers in, there you go. Go up to your apartment first, lock the door behind you, and then hit the buzzer. Don't just let a stranger in and laugh and giggle with them to the elevator. This guy was a murderer. Or I should say he is. I don't know if he murdered someone before, but he's 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 a convicted rapist and sex offender who had tortured and raped someone just earlier, set them on fire. And she thought, eh, it'll be fine. Sad story, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Well, uh, I guess it finally happened. Portland has instructed people not to call 911 unless they're at risk of death. As woke, Democrat-run city struggles to cope with slew of ODs. If businesses are shutting down, people are fleeing the city. And now the public safety commissioner is like, just don't call 911. Sorry, unless you're going to die. So now if you're getting robbed, if your house is getting broken into, they're going to be like, sir, what's happening? Quick help. Someone's breaking into my house. Well, are you dying? No. Okay. Well, you know, call us back if you do. (laughs) It's the funny thing. Not to call unless you're at risk of death. How do you define that? Are you saying like that if someone's coming a crime against someone else, but you're not sure if there's a risk of death, you don't call? Dude, there's always a risk of death in these crimes. If someone is if someone like breaks their leg or something, you call 911, help, I broke my leg, we need an ambulance, ASAP, it's bad, it's a femoral break or something. You get an ambulance, you call 911, it's an emergency. Well, can you die from it? I guess technically if I hit my femoral artery or whatever. In what circumstance would anybody need to call 911 where there is no risk of death, right? That's why it's kind of like the statement is meaningless. But the point is, this, this, this is what I'm getting at. They're basically saying, just call us A little bit less. You're on your own. Any instance where you need to call an emergency line, it's because death is on the line, right? Here's the story. Portland's public safety commissioner has told people not to call 911 unless they're at risk of death. Commissioner Renee Gonzalez told locals that its emergency service hotline was overwhelmed with people calling about members of the public suffering fentanyl overdoses. Oregon decriminalized hard drug use three years ago. Hey, it's called opportunity. It only made things worse. My attitude towards this stuff is typically that it should be legal, but it should be in controlled environments. So like my position as of today, yes, I think my positions change quite a bit when we realize what's going on with this stuff as crime gets worse is basically you can do it legally. You can do it legally, but we're going to put you in a room. We're going to monitor you. We're going to put restrictions on you. And if you're doing it outside, if you're doing it anywhere else, you're going to get arrested and charged. You have to have certain work requirements. It has to be that we are getting you off the drug and not giving you a free place to go do it. So it's not about decriminalizing it. It's about the penalty for the criminal use being different from jail. We want people off fentanyl. But anyway, people are ODing. As a result, he urged people to only call 911 in a life or death emergency. As it was revealed, paramedics had been called to deal with eight suspected fentanyl overdoses in the city's once Tony Pearl district. Well, duh, if someone's overdosing, they're going to die. Portland's neighborhoods have been over with crime, homelessness, drugs since the pandemic. And despite pouring funds into relief initiatives, little change is occurring on the streets of the city. Why? It's a cultural problem. There is no monetary solution to a systemic social civilizational problem. Commissioner Rene Gonzalez wrote on X. X. Our 911 system is getting hammered this morning with a multi multiple person incident, multiple overdoses in Northwest Park blocks. Jeez, man, your city has been gutted and destroyed, not just by your politicians, but because of these delicate, fat, liberal sensibilities. Dude, it reminds me of uh, that. See, I love that scene in Watchmen. You're not supposed to look up to Rorschach because he's a nasty dude. He's a moral absolutist. But. A lot of people are getting fed up, man. So uh, who who was it? Was it Alan Moore who did Watchmen, I think? And a lot of people were actually celebrating the character Rorschach. Uh, many of you may be saying, I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. Let me explain. In the movie slash comic, graphic novel for those that are true diehards, Rorschach is a vigilante who wears a mask that looks like a Rorschach painting. It's like, you know, the inkblot, right? And there are two prominent scenes. The first is... When he decides, when, when he discovers the, the, the true degree, like when he breaks the limit where he decides to kill people, and it's because he discovers a man who kidnapped a little girl and did horrible things, and so he just snaps. Then there's the scene where he gets arrested because being a vigilante is illegal, but he, he, he kills this child abuser in the movie. And then there's a scene where he's sitting with this like a uh, psychologist in prison, and he's like, I don't like you, your fat, liberal sensibilities and so many people cheer this guy on why i don't think he's a guy you want to emulate really but there is something about people getting tired of these weak effeminate individuals who are allowing our cities of this great this once great nation of a great nation i still think america is the best despite all of its problems but they are allowing it to decay and it's because of this stupidity there should be there should be no tolerance See, here's what happens. Somebody's addicted and it sucks. They're afflicted. And so they get locked in prison. That ain't helping. The left then comes out and says, we have to decriminalize this drug use. Now you've got people in open air drug markets all over the streets doing crazy drugs and dying. No, it's not about complete decriminalization. It's about altering the way by which we enforce these things. And more importantly, building a better culture, teaching our kids, being more selfless, and having responsibilities. Here's, here's the first thing you can do. Hey, you're not allowed to do drugs in public, man. You're not allowed to do drugs in public. And if we find out that you have become an addict, then we intervene and y'all get a 5150 because you're going to kill yourself involuntarily institutionalized. That's right. So we don't lock you in jail. You don't get criminal charges. You go to a judge and you say, we accuse this individual of doing these drugs. There will be a hearing where you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt where the individual is in fact a repeat drug user should be fairly obvious for most. This due process beyond a reasonable doubt system will prevent abuse of the system. Not perfect, but the best of our abilities. And then someone will be asked, are you doing heroin and, and, and abusing fentanyl and all these things? And they say, yes, I am. They say, "Okay." You are being institutionalized. We set legislation. We say, here are the parameters of how long a person can be detained. It should be something like, once you are off for six months, then you are you are free to go. Or it should be like work release kind of things. You you once you are found via the system to be an addict of these hard drugs, then what we do is we say, okay, we are going to monitor. And drug test you. And they do this a lot. This this, is actually. But I'm saying we got to. We got to. We have to normalize this. Not that. Say, okay, you go to work. you, You live your life. You do your things. We will help you. But if you test positive, you will be incarcerated. Not in jail at an institution for rehabilitation. Which would solve so much of these problems. Getting clean by force. I don't think the solution is just to say anybody can do any drug anywhere they want. There are arguments that like Portugal and some places have done this and it's worked out, but it's not a guarantee. Anything but. And right now, these strategies of just letting people do drugs wherever is not solving the problem. I don't think it is just decriminalization, though. I do think there's an argument made for absolute decriminalization and just let people do their drugs. The issue is our culture is sick and the police are not enforcing anything. That's the problem. And this is what you'll end up with. Welcome to Philly. Appalling moment, dirt bike rider goon jumps on young mom's car with her kids inside and smashes his back, its back windshield during latest illegal street takeover in crime ravaged Dem City. It's crazy. The dude jumps in the back of her car for no reason. And then he gets into it her, like her headbutts her with the helmet. These people are nuts, man, smashing out the back of her car. All of these people getting their dirt bikes and ATVs, and they're riding around in a street takeover, and the cops can do nothing. This is social order breakdown. I'm telling you, these people don't fear law enforcement, and it starts small, but it works its way up. You get the naked bike ride in New York, in Chicago. All these people get buck naked and they ride around. They don't care. You get pride events. You had in San, in, in, in uh, uh um Santa Monica, or no no, was it West Hollywood? In, in basically Los Angeles, you had two men performing a sexual activity on each other in public. Now, wait, there's more than one instance. And I think the first, I think the one in West Hollywood was the kink display where the guy's getting spanked with whips in front of families and children. Bad should be, it is illegal and should be enforced. It won't be. Then you have one that is so gratuitous that it could actually have killed the person because it involved serious, serious Let's just say the most disgusting things you can imagine were done in public on full display and filmed in public. This is social order breakdown. And this is what you get. I got no sympathy for the people who live in these places. None. The only sympathy I have is with exception, the people who are there because their kids are trapped because of legal issues. And they're saying, I I can't leave my kids behind, right? Divorce and things like that. I get it, man. That's tough. And I I have sympathy for these people who are staying within the burning building to save their kids. But a lot of there's a lot of people who choose to live in these places because it's too hard. All right. Well, look, man, if it's too hard for you, then enjoy the hardship. If you're telling me it is harder to move, it is easier to deal with open air drug markets, murders and all that stuff, then okay, man, I get it. Take the easy route. Someone breaking into your house and assaulting your family and setting them on fire or something like that, like we saw in Baltimore. People make their decisions. They vote for what they want. And this is what cities are decaying into. So you want to, you got a problem? Well, I guess don't bother calling 911 because ain't nobody coming to save you. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. You know, I have to wonder if this is the end of feminism because for a long time, women sought to be empowered so they could support themselves and be independent. And uh, that's a fair point, right? You yeah, had the turn of the century had suffrage. Suffrage started in the late 1800s. And then finally, it was like 1920. The 19th Amendment is finally ratified. And many other countries had been passing the right to vote. In fact, before 1776, there were, I think 1750s, actually, there were many colonies that allowed women to vote. And then when charters came into place, they actually took it away, not all of them. And now we have this story of this woman here only fans model, they call her. It's like, oh, come on, dude. She's a prostitute. I don't I, like, I guess they're so offended by the word prostitute, which they shouldn't be because it's just a descriptive word that they just say, I'm a model, dude. You produce on demand adult activities for cash, prostitution. But here, here's the thing, right? So you've got these women, Bryce Adams, 29, one of OnlyFans, most liked creators saying she made like, what did she make? Like $6 million per year or something like this. See, back in the day when women were like, I want to live on my own. I'm not married. I shouldn't have to be. And I should be able to get a job, work, and vote. And I'm like, "I, I agree with those things. That's great. Then women finally win suffrage. We get more women in the workplace. Now they're making money. And they're like, finally, I can be independent. But ladies, this is not the way. This is the opposite of feminism. But ladies figured it out. With digital technology and more lax social standards, many women have opted for what I guess I would describe as a much easier route, though I would find it to be amoral and, um, I don't know, crass. You see, back in the day, women couldn't show their ankles. They had to wear dresses, and they dressed up, and they walked around. Men wore suits. Obscenity was not permitted, and porn existed. But, you know, it's a turn of the century. You got some silent film porn. It really did exist. But for the most part, it wasn't an option. Yes, they were always prostitutes, but then you have pimps. It was not so easy. But now, thanks to OnlyFans, ladies, you don't need to be a CEO anymore. It's so simple. So many women are now deciding to just do porn and prostitution. And they make a ton of money. So here's what happens. As more and more feminists push sex positivity, that is to say, they're telling young girls, who cares if you do porn and bang a bunch of dudes? Be you. Then you're going to get more women who are like, why am I going to be in the workforce when I can get paid just to <laughs> do adult activities on the internet? You think I'm wrong, ladies, feminists? You think you think I'm saying something offensive? How many stories have we already gotten? Former police officer switches to OnlyFans. Former doctor quits her job, makes more money on OnlyFans. Many women in prominent positions have decided work is hard and this is easy. And so they're going to go for it congratulations look man I ain't got no beef I think it's bad for society and whatever but fine promote sex positivity and then watch as we get less and less CEOs and managers because young women are like dude I do not want to wake up at 9 a.m. I want to do whatever I want and guys will give money for something super easy and meaningless here's a story from the daily uh, from the Daily Mail they say Bryce Adams 29 from Florida joined the adult content site oh it's so brutal only fans tried to be legit. And in just two years, she has turned into a booming business, earning herself millions of dollars along the way, as well as a legion of avid followers. She got she raked in six point four million dollars last year and gained a whopping sixty thousand dollars just for one live stream. Here's what I love about this. You know, I often think about these women who are like uh, they have that video walking through New York for five hours as a woman. And all the guys are like, how you doing? Like, what up? Like guys following her. Some of it was benign. Some of it was kind of creepy. And it's funny because I've talked about this before. Men do suffer the same thing. But men are valued for their social status, not for their attractiveness, mostly. So, you know, a hot guy walking down the street might have a girl say something, but probably not. Men are the ones who typically do the pursuing. But here's the funny thing. If you are a beautiful young woman and you walk down the street, guy's probably going to holler at you. That's what they find socially desirable. If you are a man of no social standing, that's it. But what if you're a guy who jumps out of a suit wearing Armani, jumps out of a a McLaren or whatever, puffs your shirt a little bit, turns around, gives a wink, and you've got jewelry? Then you're going to get people trying to ask you questions. And it's a fact. It is absolutely a fact. I was hanging out. We we went to go eat in, uh, where were we? Where were we? We were uh, were in Leesburg, Virginia. And I'm hanging out with the boys, you know, and, uh, you know, like some of the people in the crew dress up and uh, look the part, I guess. Successful, well-known uh, individuals that we're hanging out with. And sure enough, we have dudes walking up being like, do I know you from somewhere? Like, you look like, so- you rock star, man. It's like, guys will get that stuff, but it's based on social status. So here's the funny thing about all this. I'm looking at her income and how many fans she has. Like she sells her body. She does porn online and she gets a big following, makes money. Then you have other people, guys. What do guys do? Guys talk politics, charismatic ideas, work, subjects, or I'm sorry, objects, women, subjects. And it's like, I see this thing now. Hey, look, man, here's what I'm saying. I ain't got no beef with this lady. She wants to be a digital prostitute for real. I don't mean that as a dig. I'm saying, hey, you do you, lady. You sell what you got. She got $6.4 million. You think she cares about your opinion? My point is only this. Many more women are going to say, I don't want to be the CEO. I don't want to work on a petroleum rig. I don't want to be a lawyer and argue, man. A lot of these things are things that guys like doing. Complaining on the internet, talking about big ideas, talking about policy. I think this, OnlyFans, is going to create basically piping, to, uh, like like a, a conduit, better way to describe it, by which feminists who don't like the nine to five grind, but just want to be independent, and have money, realize, hey, man, I don't need to answer to a boss. I can just do, you know, adult activities online, boom, with OnlyFans. And you know what? The average woman who does it doesn't make that much money. True. Most people who try to start their own business, ain't going to make a, a much money no matter what they do. But this lady, she figures it out. Maybe it's because people find her to be the most attractive or whatever, or she just does the raunchiest, nastiest stuff, and that's worth money. Whatever, man. Doesn't matter. There will be various tiers. Just because she makes $6.4 million doesn't mean everybody else is making nothing. Just because you hear about most women making mostly nothing, like $20 to $200, doesn't mean that the average woman can't make this work. My point, feminism is in trouble because there's going to be a lot of women who can easily pull in forty to $50,000 per year doing this stuff, and they will. And they're going to be thinking to themselves, I may not be making a million bucks, but I barely have to do anything, post a couple of videos, get some subscribers, and now I'm good. You know why I think this? Because I, I, I've known a handful of people, women, who were working normal jobs. And I knew this one woman, and one day, she's like, I think I'm going to try and do cam stuff. And I'm like, for real? And she's like, yeah, I think I make good money. And I'm like, okay, dude, I was really surprised to hear that somebody would actually entertain doing that because, or this person, these people that I know, because I'm like, I did not expect this person who worked, you know, uh, like a mid-level manager job to, to to say that to me. And this was years ago. This was before OnlyFans. This was back when they had those like trashy cam websites. But I think the, the reality is there are a lot of women who don't care. They absolutely will show off their bodies for money and even engage in lewd and lascivious activities behind a paywall for cash when given the opportunity. Would this woman be a porn star or a prostitute before OnlyFans? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's possible. There are a lot of porn stars and prostitutes. I'm saying that now you're going to start seeing many, many more women. She, I think one of the reasons why she makes as much money as she does is she talks about how no censorship, full face, everything is shown all raw. You can watch it happen. Okay, there are guys who want to pay for that. Welcome to the baser reality of what men want and what women want. I don't know, feminists. I think you're in trouble. I think feminists and leftists need to really come out and be like, nah, we we don't like what OnlyFans is doing. Because if this lady's making all this money, you are going to start seeing less and less women in the workplace, more and more men. There it is. She told Insider that she goes live almost every day now. Once a month, she holds a special live stream that she calls a marathon. It lasts for seven to eight hours and involves her teaming up with other big creators on the site who participate in a number of adult performances. (laughs) In September, she made about $60,000 from the marathon, which came from a combination of new subscribers and tips sent in from her loyal followers. My followers had actually never seen me move, talk, and just engage, she explained, since becoming a successful OnlyFans star, prostitute, Bryce has created a massive team with 24 employees who help her run her business and shoot her content. Together they created a program that allows her to live stream simultaneously from multiple accounts and she's now hoping to market the new software. You know why I really want to talk about this? Let's replace let's replace porn star prostitute with podcaster. Let's talk about Timcast and I'm like, "Wow." Yeah, we've got about 40 employees. We've launched several shows. I have people who help produce everything and and shoot. Video production. I do all the story production. All story production is— 99% of story production, I should say, is me. I choose the stories. I source things. And then uh, we ask our guests sometimes if they want to talk about anything. But all the morning show stuff and most of Timcast IRL are stories that I'm sourcing. So, uh, But the funny thing is I'm looking at it and, like, we do events— we make a lot of money. We're a big company. We have like 40 something employees. And it's really funny how as a dude who's leading the charge, live streaming and producing content, it is politics, it is policy, and the ladies who are doing it are selling their bodies. Ain't that something else? Now look, I think a lot of guys are going to mock and laugh at laugh at her for this. But this lady could buy you over 10 times. You you want to come at come at her? She's got more cash than you do. This is the future. I think more and more women are going to start doing things like this because there are guys who want to pay for it. That's really it. Call it whatever you want, man. It is what it is. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.